Welcome. This is All the Fuck In, a podcast from two entrepreneurs about showing up for social justice in your work. This isn't your typical capitalist-focused entrepreneurial business podcast. There are already plenty of those. We're here because we've been craving voices rooted in activism, justice, and integrity with those values. These are conversations about all things business and entrepreneurship, but from a radical perspective that says we don't have to choose between social justice values and being successful in our work. This won't be a place where we claim to have all the answers. Our intention is to offer guidance and support while also encouraging our listeners to discover and live into more questions. We believe these conversations require ongoing practice and a consistent dedication to unlearning. If you're ready to go all the fuck in on what matters most while creating an abundant life, you're in the right place. And a quick note on our content, we believe self-care is radical and non-negotiable in the work of both justice and entrepreneurship. So some of these conversations include mention of trauma, both from a systemic and often racialized perspective and in relationship to experiences like sexual violence. We hope you do what you need to take care of yourself while listening, even if that means pausing and returning to an episode at another time or skipping it altogether. Hey y'all, we're back. Uh, This is Tristan. My pronouns are they, them. This is Lauren. I use she and her. And we are super jazzed uh, to be here with Reggie Hubbard today. Reggie, would you take it away and share your name, your pronouns, um, social location, whatever identities you want to offer up in this moment that feel resonant and any astrology you're aware of that you can offer as some background on yourself as well. Yeah, right on. Uh, Reggie Hubbard, he, him, his, uh, DC metro area and in the land of Mary. Um, but if you ever call it Maryland, we know that y'all don't know y'all ain't from here. It's Merlin. So like Merlin between Baltimore and Washington, DC, um, black male, hetero, cis, um, but whatever, (laughs) meaning like, Okay. Um, Raised poor. Um, First generation college graduate. Um, First generation, a lot of things, right? So I consider myself a bit of an immigrant to the American experience because my family's from the deep south. Um, And people who don't think Virginia's deep south, I can tell you how many times I can still count Confederate flags, like when I go down to see my people. Right. So like if if you if I see Confederate flags on the way to see you, that's Southern. Right. So first gen. um, What else? Global citizen. Right. I'm kind of over the American, European, Canadian thing. Right. I saw this interesting talk last night with his holiness, the Dalai Lama, where he was basically like, look, we got to start thinking about one humanity. Right. Like this nationalism thing. I mean, this is clearly he didn't say it this way, but like this nationalism thing is killing us. Right. We got to think in the context of one humanity as opposed to I'm this, I'm this, I'm this. So global citizen. um, And that's all that comes top of mind. Oh, um, Oh, we talked about this. So spiritual intersectionalist, right? So raised Christian, but hardcore Hatha Tantra yogi and Buddhist, like and, not either or, and um, astrology, uh, about as Libra as it gets, um, Taurus rising, Gemini moon. Cool. Um, yeah, like there's... Um, 
one of one of my astrologers, one of my Australia, I, I, I have astrologers. One of my astrologers was like, um, so you're you have so much Libra that you have to be balanced, mm-hmm. right? I have like a stellium, and like my like the, all the things are in like the same place, <laughs> right? So like I have to carve out balance, otherwise I'm way off. Mm. So for balance for me is like like uh, I have to be zealous about balance, otherwise it just it, it doesn't work. Mm. We're going to hear more about that, I imagine, in this conversation. I would love, though, for folks who aren't familiar with who you are and what you do in the world, can you share a bit about what you're currently up to professionally or even maybe it's not professionally, whatever you want to call it? (laughs) Yeah, for sure. Um, So I'm a recovering political operative. Most recently, uh, move on to org's congressional affairs and political strategist during the height of the resistance against Donald Trump. I quit that on February 1st, uh, 2021, first day of Black History Month on purpose because they were treating me like the help and Black Hippie don't get down like that. You know, like I helped carry um, the movement quite literally. And uh, when I was when they asked me what I wanted to do, I was like, I want to keep kicking ass and taking names. You know what I mean? Like I want to do like front facing stuff. I want to keep organizing and I want to keep all the relationships I built on the hill. And they were like, well, um, we don't know if that's possible. And I'm like, wait. What do you mean? They're like, you have to do either or. I was like, so here's what you don't understand. Like, you are talking to an existential philosophy major who is deep in tantric yoga philosophy. So the real question is if I want to talk to you anymore. Mm. Like, the question isn't whether I do this or this. It's whether I even want to be here. Oh, and then they got all upset. And I was like, well, you brought this on. I told you what I wanted. You said you couldn't accommodate that. So I'm like, okay, blessings to you. So ever since I quit that job, I've been basically merging yogic practice. Um, I'm the most accidental yoga teacher ever. Like I never planned on this stuff um, because I didn't see myself in the arena, right? There ain't that many big black dudes with an opinion in the yoga space, right? So um, since resigning in February 1st, have been walking the line between making, or actually I would say making, because sometimes you got to push people into it, making the spiritual community more engaged civically. Um, none of us are monastics. So get all, miss me with this dumb shit about like, I've transcended. If you've transcended, then go to the monastery. Yeah. Like if you're out here in the world, get your ass engaged. So I'm on that side, but also like as an activist, um, I earnestly seek to make activists take better care of themselves because um, you run yourself into the ground. You can't do the work. This body, which you demonize or otherwise treat as second class is how you do the work. It's the vessel of the spirit. And so treating the body as other means that the work's not sustainable. And so, in fact, this Friday, uh, I'm giving a talk. I call it an intervention of sorts. Um, in the activist community, is like, we can and must do better. we got to take better care of ourselves. And you as employers, you can't be talking about, well, I worked hard. Guess what? That's white supremacist and crazy. Like, just because you were treated like shit doesn't mean that you need to treat other people like shit, especially when you espouse progressive values. That doesn't make sense. In fact, that's 
it's quite hypocritical. So like I, because I'm a gray beard in the hustle, am like, yo, none of y'all can bust my activist chops because I didn't see none of y'all in the impeachment strategy meetings when Nancy Pelosi's people like, Reggie, what do you think? I didn't see y'all there. And none of y'all have got my training. And I don't say that to pat myself on the back, but I'm a hybrid of like OG activist and emerging spiritualist. So I can look activists in the face and be like, get it together. Hmm. Yeah, you've built credibility over a very long time and with a lot of intention and like, I, I don't know, I would say even transparency just about who you yeah. are. So people yeah. can hear that it's authentic. It's not some top down coming in to tell people something that you think they need to know just because you think they need to know it. it's because you've been there. Right. You get it. Yeah. Yeah. And you know, what keeps coming to mind is like the word intersection. I mean, we talk about intersectional identity all the time, but like mm -hmm. we also have interviewed a bunch of folks in the yoga space who also are in the activist space or started in one and then now are in both. And, mm -hmm. you know, I think too, um, before we started recording, you know, you mentioned these intersections of like your spiritual practice. So I really yeah. want to make sure that I ask you about that. Cause like how you mentioned indigenous wisdom, Hatha yoga, Zen Buddhism, how ha how are those currently coming together? I would imagine it's an evolution, but how are those currently coming together in these conversations that you're having with activists and even yourself? Yeah, well, one is that like um, I didn't start practicing yoga until 2014, so I'm a relatively late bloomer in the practice. Um, studied the philosophical ex because you know I had to for my undergraduate requirements, but like um, didn't really do asana and stuff until I turned 40. So I'm 47 now. Not that that matters, but just for context and like. Um, I uh, I started practicing yoga to not call my boss an MFB. Mm. Yeah. You know, I'm not a former dancer. You know, I mean, or a former cheerleader or any of this other stuff. Like I found I found refuge in asana practice to keep me from cursing someone out who was doing me tremendous psychological harm. And so my approach to what I offer is rooted in liberation. It's not rooted in activity. It's not rooted in rote um, exercise. It's rooted in moving the body to get rid of anger and shame and all these other things so I can be present for what I'm supposed to do in the world. And um, that has like blossomed over time, right? So like I started practicing yoga to not curse out my boss. 10 months later when they... <laughs> They fired me via text message. Um, yeah, see, everyone does that. Like, I'm going to have to start sending people neck pillows and shit. Like, 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 like they fired me uh, via text message. And I, in 10 months, this is what happened. Like, they asked me for an exit interview. And I was just like, y'all know. So this is where my, like, my southern-ish side came out. I was like, y'all know good and hell well. We don't need no exit interview. I was like, but I, but I do want to thank you. And they're like, for what? Like all these little preppy white girls in Denver. It was in Colorado. Um, like, I want to thank you. I was like, for what? They're like, I was like, I, I want to thank you for how poorly you treated me because you gave me the wisdom to deal with adversity with grace. And then I called my mom and aunt afterwards. I was like, do you know that Captain Curse Out thanks someone for firing them? <laughs> like what is this yoga shit is what is happening <laughs> right thank you for firing me you gave me wisdom with grace are you serious like in 10 months you go from wanting to like like rip the face off of someone with your words to thanking them all right so when that happened i was like okay what is going on here right so that that's what allowed me to dive into like the deep embodied practice and so that's what i offer now especially for yoga folks 
Um, yoga is a discipline. It's my spiritual practice, man. Like, you know, I do something daily, whether it be asana or sound and or meditation, like daily. Um, sadhana, abhyasa, like all these terms which people don't even know. Um who call themselves yogis, don't even get me started there. But like all these terms are my lived experience. And I have found that like that commitment and dedication. I remember one time um, I, I read this Iyengar book and he said something like, you know, like six years of aggressive practice will yield blah, blah, blah. And I was just like, this guy, all right, cool. And here I am seven years into the practice, like, Sorry, man. <laughs> you were right. Right, right. Who am I to like, you know, put my ego into this thing? Like, you've been doing this your whole life, and you come from like a, a, a tradition of Himalayan sages, and I'm looking at this shit for the first time, being like, this nigga's crazy. You know what I mean? Like, who am I, right? So, I. The beautiful thing about my practice is that it's given me like humility, but humility in a way to be self-effacing, right? As opposed to like, like if I'm wrong, I'd be like, <laughs> all right, like, so I was tripping and here's why, you know what I mean? I can use those moments as a teachable moment, like to be soft, but also just to be honest, right? You know, Lauren, you said it best where I don't really pull any punches, you know, I keep it straight and like narrow, but it's all, it's all from the heart. You know what I mean? Like one, I gave a gratitude practice recently and was super uncomfortable because like, I was like, so what are you grateful for? And like five people were like, you, I'm like, that's not at all. Oh God, like, so once I got out, once I got out of my own way, um, I realized it's because I, I'm kind of a breath of fresh air for folks. Um, in a time where everything is confusing and like nebulous, Reggie's direct, he's super clear. And I now am beginning to understand the gift that that is. Yeah, it is a gift. You're, I, I don't just sense you as being direct and clear, but also like really profoundly present in mm -hmm. the interactions that I've had with you. Like whether that mm -hmm. was watching you at the keynote at Accessible Yoga. That was a lot like, of fun. You, like, it was so much fun. Um, <laughs> like one of the more fun keynote, conference keynote experiences I've ever witnessed, you know? Um, and like even like preparing for this interview with you, like I feel like I have to, I don't have to, but I'm given the gift of the opportunity to attune towards presence in a unique way and preparing to have this conversation with you. So mm -hmm. that's what you inspire in others, whether we're conscious of it or not. There's something, something you, you got going on there. And I wonder, so you're saying that in, you know, through discovering asana, like you were studying mm -hmm. the philosophy of it in your undergraduate studies, mm -hmm. and, and then you started practicing the asana and at, mm -hmm. were you uniquely present and were you gracious pre discovery of all the limbs of yoga? Like, have you been, have you, have you had that running through your life as a running theme or did you feel like a profound shift happen when in your personality, no, for how sure. you move through the world. Yeah. Both, honestly. Both. So like I am one of, so the beautiful thing, so the name of my yoga community is Active Peace Yoga, um, formed during the can the pandemic. And we got everybody in there, like people, like someone from sixth grade, like one of my sixth classmates is in there. And every time she's in song, she's like, I've known Reggie since sixth grade. I'm like, yeah, okay. So you're just trying to get a dude to blush right on. Cool. Right. <laughs> like, so 
if you can build a community and like you're in your mid forties and someone from sixth grade still wants to kick it with you, like like to some extent, like you've been welcoming for, for your whole life because like, um, and I, um, politics has been my best teacher. And what I mean by that is um, I got involved in politics on accident too. Like I worked in uh, software for a while. So I was a, a global marketing dude for a software company and uh, was, you know, the story of my life, like wonderkind, like 27 years old, all my colleagues in their fifties. And um, basically very long story short, quit that job, moved to Rio de Janeiro, party like a rock star at Carnival. Um, then the Iraq war started mm. and I'm like, son of a, Oh no! I'm supposed to be in carnival, man. Like I'm not supposed to have a conscience right now. This totally sucks. And uh, got involved um, in the John Kerry versus George Bush experience. And when I left Rio de Janeiro, I was in the best shape of my life. Are you kidding me? Like chocolate brown, beautiful afro, like all this, like delightful, like happy. Are you kidding me? I'm in Rio, like sun kissed and fantastic. Two and a half years later, I had gained a hundred pounds and uh, had bourbon and cigarettes for breakfast, four hours of sleep per night. And went from, so that's why I said yes and, right? So yeah. that just destructive experience um, hurt. Right. And I didn't quite know, which is why, you know, we talked about this a little bit before, like when um, this lecture that I'm a giver host on Friday, where I talk to activist folks, that's why I say you don't have the chops that I have, meaning like I've been on Air Force Two, like I've been 345 pounds. Right. Like um, and miserable, like hating my life. Like, so please hear my story, because to lose 100 pounds is the biggest mindfuck on planet Earth especially in a fat shaming, we hate black people, like just, just in this skin, like it's just a lot. And the amount of resilience that I had to call forth in order to be compassionate to myself and endure this stuff, I think that's how I've been able to burst onto the scene as a teacher because um, one of my friends uh, who I'm really close with, because I kind of, y'all know this because y'all are in the game, I just kind of bust on the scene and people are like, how long have you been teaching? I'm like, oh, two years. Um, and they were like, but you bring like the wisdom of your ancestors and like all this stuff that you've metabolized, um, which is why I think that I'm yogic and Buddhist because, you know, one of the tenets of Buddhism is um, freedom from delusion. Mm -hmm. And when you free yourself from delusion, it gives you wisdom. And that wisdom is a salve um, because it was your salve and it gave you healing. And if you can articulate that wisdom, it, it just touches people in all these sorts of ways. So I've had to learn to love myself because I hated myself viscerally. Right. So self-compassion, I completely understand it because when you don't sleep for three years and you lose the elections, y'all. So I did all this work and we lost. Oh, my God. And I left Rio. So I left paradise to gain weight and be with a bunch of people who kind of suck sometimes. Really? So like all of this stuff was just in me. And so I had to figure out ways to like alleviate all of that, right? And so that's how yoga and meditation and spiritual practice has helped me. It's kind of gotten me back in touch with who I authentically am yeah. and sublimate and transcend and transmute even 
um, a lot of the the wounds into wisdom that can serve other people. Mm. Yeah. yeah, I mean, I'm I'm relating really hard, especially to just the culture and politics that you're describing, where it's almost a badge of honor people wear about how you haven't slept in two people. weeks. What? Yes. Yes. And how horrible they're being to each other too. Yeah, um, right. And I mean, you mentioned a few, um, you know, jobs here and there, but like, I'm wondering if you wouldn't mind giving us a, a general overview of like where your career went. So like you were in software, you mm-hmm. go to Rio, you work on the presidential campaign, but I know you've done so much in right. between then and now. So just to kind uh-huh. of help people get an idea of what you've done, it's a lot. Yeah. So, um, and I, it's, I, to hear it out of your mouth, I'm like, for real, right? <laughs> it's like, wow. Okay. Um, so global, so first job ever was a roadie for a jazz band. So like Joshua Redman's quartet, I was a roadie for them. 21 years old, best job ever. Are you kidding me? I get to set up sound and like be on a tour bus and like whatever. So like that was my first job ever. Um, Entered software sales because my parents got divorced when I was 22 and I went to the dark night of the soul, right? You know what I mean? So like Billy Holiday Records, they ain't leave my room, you know what I'm saying? All this stuff. And one of my friends was like, Reggie, I think you'd be a great salesman. And I was like, I don't know, man. Like, I kind of hate everyone. I hate myself right now. I don't know if I'd be a good salesman. Only to a year and a half later have sold this vaporware and like be killing the game, right? So like afterwards, I'm like, all right, man. So you clearly know me, but I was going through some shit, man. My bad. And so um, software salesman tops. So you know how sales is. They give you like dirt territory. You better make this work. And then you kill it. They try and take it from you, especially if you're black, right? So like um, the dirt salesman, top salesman, product manager, um, see the plane hitting um, the Pentagon on 9-11. So really seminal event. Um, which is, which is why I went to Brazil, you know what I mean? So like that weekend, I also was in a, in a house fire. So house fire, new lease on life, then within sight of watching the plane hit the Pentagon. It's a lot, man. So like my company was basically like, you should be happy to have your job. But I'm like, all right, yo, you should be happy to have my black ass and you don't anymore. I'm leaving. So, um, moved to Rio great time but then the crisis of conscience hits when the iraq war starts all my brazilian friends are like what's happening in your country i was like we're having this conversation in brazil right like so <laughs> you see that i'm here i don't want to talk about that right so like someone bringing up your ex is like we broke up yo you know what i'm saying like i don't really i don't really kick it with them like that no more like why are you bringing up old stuff um but Started out in the mail room of the John Kerry campaign because that's where you put Yale graduates. You know, you put Yale graduates who are trilingual in the mail room. Anyway, um, through Moxie, uh, y'all think I got a little bit of Moxie, right? So like, uh, <laughs> went from the mail room to traveling staff in like four months. Um, was on the Edwards Experience, so like the I was the road the roadie for the vice presidential campaign. Right. So, and like a babysat Jack and Emma Claire, like, I did everything um, because that was my path. I was like, if I'm leaving Rio, I'm going all the fuck in, right? Like, I'm going yeah. in, right? <laughs> right? Right. So uh, we lose, uh, take about six months off because I've, I went from like, that's a wild 
ride, right? Like, and like, I didn't really sleep because I knew once I took that job as traveling staff, like coming from the mailroom to traveling staff, I was just like, as a black guy, oh shit, I really can't mess this up. So I was like, I got to be perfect for the next hundred days or whatever. Um, so I didn't really sleep, you know, like probably three hours a day. Um, but I mean, I slept on the plane, but that's, that's not sleep, especially when, the, the stewards on the plane, like, know that if you're smiling to give you a mango juice, if you're pissed, there's a bourbon right there. You know what I mean? So, like, like that this because I took care of all of them, whatever. We lose the race. Um, then I go to Florida and work on a race for 18 months where I was traveling chief of staff for um, Jim Davis for governor a million years ago. Um, that job is awful, right? So you are responsible for the candidate and their foibles and you're the liaison between the candidate and the campaign most people on the campaign do not understand that their beautiful ideas have got to be enacted and so um they just think shit falls out the sky um and so i was the enactor and the babysitter for the candidate and a black guy in florida in 2005 and 2006 right so went from the Kerry Edwards experience to the Jim Davis for governor campaign. And that was 18 months, right? So essentially 24 months of like self-destruction and took 2007 and eight off. Uh, Cause I kind of had to um, like something within me was just like, if you keep this up, there's not going to be no you. Right. Um, joined. um and because of my proximity to the Edwards experience, um, I couldn't really join like any of the campaigns until Edwards decided he was running or not running because like I was there, like I took care of his kid, like I was there. And so as much as I wanted to be involved in like Obama world or all this other stuff, just really couldn't. But I did make an agreement to like help people out because I was just super connected. Um, very long story short, was blacklisted by the Obama people. Um, on some dumbness, like in, in the third book I write, you'll hear about that. Yeah, I'm um, waiting for that third yeah, book. <laughs> but, but, but just stupid. Um, was blacklisted by them. The only way I could come back, despite all the stuff that I had done, um, and being like black, you know, and, and that many black staffers like that have my experience, like ever, right? So um, worked on the, cam, uh, the, the convention in Denver in 2008. And after the convention in Denver, I left the country because I was like, look, I, A, I was blacklisted. And B, I was like, I don't really want to be in Washington. That's where I'm from. And like, to be real about it, I don't want these tired ass MFs that I didn't like on the campaign trail. Like, you're not going to hire me and I don't like you anyway. So I went to business school in Brussels, Belgium. So I was just like, get me out of here. So I moved to Europe. And took a master's degree in international affairs, uh, strategic innovation, and the world economy um, at a school in like Leuven, Belgium, but just just outside of Brussels. So went back and forth between like Leuven, Caillou Leuven, the Catholic University, and um, the European Parliament, and all this other stuff. Because I was like, if I am going to school, I need to be in a political place because I'm a political guy. Yeah. Um, so I'm not finance dude so i'm not going to go to london so send me to the eu and um went there graduated into the great recession and uh and i'm still on the blacklist right so like despite the fact that i have all the credentials paid all my dues couldn't catch a break and the other thing i'll mention too is 
is that in 2010, I had the worst year of my adult life. Like I lost my grandfather while composing my graduate school thesis, had an apartment fire, which was my fault. Um, so I was homeless while composing my graduate school thesis. Grandpa died, like, wow, all this is, this is in like three weeks. So, so it was just like, it's a like Jobian proportion of like how awful it was. And in the midst of all this, like someone I was serious with, she and I broke up, you know what I mean? So it was just like the super dark night of the soul. Graduated on time. <laughs> Your boy's tough. And went on a, the year after I graduated from business school, I made more money in a part-time job. At, at, at a fast food restaurant as a 16 year old that I did as someone in their mid thirties with a master's degree and an Ivy league degree. You want to talk about humbling, right? So I, like someone sent me this thing and they were like, you know, I think you'd be a great teacher. And I just needed a gig. Right. And so it was a civics gig teaching high school students from foreign countries. And I'm like, all right, cool. So, um, Loved it. You kidding me? It was delightful. And um, that is kind of what turned, now in retrospect, that's what turned me on to teaching. Um, this one young, old, a young older woman, um, she'd been teaching for like 30 years. And she comes up to me and she's like, yeah, so what's your certification? Because the kids are like loving me and like all this other stuff. Like, Mr. Hubbard, don't call me Mr. That's my dad, you know, whatever. Um, then... Like, she's like, what's your certification? I was like, for what? She's like, teaching. I was like, I've never done this shit before. <laughs> and she was like, are you serious? I'm like, look, I give the kids inspiration. I share from the heart. And I'm just mad honest, you know? And she was just like, I've never seen kids, like, act this way um, when they first meet somebody. And I'm like, I don't know what to tell you. Like, I just <laughs> I just saw this job on, like, this Black black Beltway uh, listserv and thought it would be cool and I got to pay my bills. And so didn't know, um, you know, I'm just like being honest, right? So I didn't know that that experience, and I did that for three years. So 2012, 2013, 2014, while also like doing advance for the White House. So I was blacklisted from the Obama side, but was super tight with the Biden side, like super tight, like, um, and was able to supplement my teaching stuff. So I'm teaching civic and I can tell the kids what I'm doing because I was like, oh yeah, this happened with the VP the other day. So I was able to like weave that together um, and started doing international education stuff after that. I'm like, this is great. You know what I mean? Like love the kids, kids love me. Why not? You know, and everyone throughout my life was like, you'll be a great teacher. And I did what everyone does when your parents tell you stuff. I rebelled. I was like, what are you talking about? I ain't no damn teacher. Right. <laughs> so like, um, wanted to do international education stuff. Um, but was in DC and just, you know, it was really hard to catch a break for whatever reason. Now through a spiritual circumstance, it's like my elders being like, no, <laughs> you can't go there, man. So wake up, man. But you know, I, I, it takes me a while, but when I'm there, I'm there. Um, so one of my former interns from the campaign I talked about in Florida was like, Reggie, you know, we'd love to have you in the administration. I'm like, the Obama administration? Nah, dog. Like, you, you're not talking to me, man. And so uh, he was like, Reggie, you know, 
these are the two jobs. I, and I told him because I didn't think he would come through. I was like, look, the only way I'll do that is if you come up with like a chief of staff, deputy chief of staff or deputy assistant secretary. Other than that, I'm not interested. So this dude comes back with all of that. <laughs> He's like, so you could either be um, in line for Arnie Duncan's deputy chief of staff or deputy assistant secretary for international education. And I'm like, son of a... I was like, I don't trust y'all though, man. I really don't trust you. So he, and I was like, but you know what? I got nothing to lose. So I went all in. And um, y'all, I made it to the top two for both jobs and got neither one. Oh my God. I should have known, but whatever. You know what I mean? So whatever. So, and like I said, it's the ex. I was like, I never called you again i'm so stupid oh my god like why why you left me again i'm so dumb uh, but i had done in 2013 to backtrack a bit um we my my students um they were all from the stands right so uzbeka kazakhstan uh, tajikistan um and I was a their activist teacher. So I'm like, okay, so we're gonna come up with like these projects to like have social protest movements, la la la. And y'all, Tristan and Lauren, they wanted to do a damn um health and wellness fair. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm like, oh my God, right? You know, because I'm still in like activist space, like, yeah, man, so let's come up with ways to like incite the public and out like oust the dictator and all this other stuff. And they want to do like healthy living. And I got to be honest, like I was kind of salty. I was just like, man, I don't want to do no, I don't want to do no damn wellness. And so for 30 minutes, we have like a two hour planning session for 30 minutes. I'm salty and pissy and just awful. And then I had to check myself. I'm like, yo, <laughs> like, what is your problem? Right? Like you support the kids and everything. They want to do wellness. Like, why are you being so like awful? So I realized it was like all my stuff, mm. right? And so I softened. And this is when the Harlem Shake was super popular. So they wanted to do this thing called the Veggie Shake. So lo and behold, like I'm like I had like tomatoes on my face and dancing around all crazy and stuff. And y'all, wouldn't you know that that was the moment that I got serious about my health. Right. So April 1st, 2013, I consider my reborn day because that was the day that I woke up and was just like these kids, man. So that's why I love education, because these kids changed my life. Um, I'm sure I changed theirs, but they saved mine. Like real talk. Like I was I was going nowhere fast. Um, I was 37, like still overweight. And I don't say that for fashion. I mean, I say that for like health, like the body responds differently in different conditions. I know that from lived experience. So I'm like, okay, for the next six months, I'm going to deprogram all the stuff that I've done. And I went on this like hard and look, again, I'm kind of hardcore. So like I went on this vegan fast for six months, ran every day um, and lost about like 65 pounds. And 40 in six months, 65 for the year mm -hmm. and um, felt better, but like started deconstructing all of these things. So when I had the heartbreak with the Obama personnel folks, I was already like out of the spiral that we all go into. This didn't work out. Oh, I suck. I'm the worst. I hate myself. I was already out of that spiral. So 
I didn't get the two gigs, heartbroken, cried, of course, you know, I'm so dumb, you know, like, of course, there were vestiges of that. But I had like started replacing self-destructive habits with more constructive ones. And so when that happened, I made a rule. I was like, look, I'm only going to do things that make me happy, lower my blood pressure and are creative. And one of my friends is like, you should come to yoga with me. I'm like, blood pressure, creative, happy, I don't know. We'll try it. So that's how I got involved. That's how I started practicing yoga. Um, so heartbreak with the Obama era. And so told you the story about how I started super practicing when my boss like hated, hated on me. Um, fired via text message. And on the other side of that, I went on this hardcore, like five day full fast. Like, like, like I, I grew up in the church. Like, so sometimes you got to bring it back. So all I did was drink water and eat supplements. Cause I wanted to purge my system of that entire experience and made this vow to them. Um, whatever happens on the other side of this fast is what I'm supposed to do. Hmm. Wouldn't you know <laughs> the Bernie Sanders campaign called me <laughs> when I broke the damn fast, right? So I'm sitting here trying not to get involved in politics. <laughs> Break this fast. Hey, we're it's we're from the Bernie Sanders campaign. I'm like, yeah, I know. That's why I answered the phone. Like, what's good? They're like, yeah, so we're in Denver. I'm like, cool. I live here. What do you want? They're like, can you help us out? Is it you want me to make a couple phone calls or something? Like, no, we're producing a event in Boulder, Colorado with 10,000 people. It's like, oh, you want me to work? I was like, luckily for both of us, I just got fired and I need to pay rent. And so that's how I got involved in the Bernie Sanders campaign. Right. And so but I was scared because I didn't you know, all my campaign work prior was self-destructive. But I was so aggressive with my or not aggressive, but um, like dedicated to my asana practice. Yeah, that I. One of my teachers, and I heard, Lauren, I saw you laugh earlier. That's where the karmic destroyer name came from. Because my, my teacher was like, look, Ben, think of this as a mulligan. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So you can go into this experience with the discipline of your yoga practice and be a karmic destroyer. I was like, see? Yo, yes. Yes. So when I joined the Bernie Sanders campaign, I was like, look, this yoga practice is... um." my practice, right? You know, it ain't something I do on Tuesdays at six. Like it's something that I live with. And so if this experience impacts my health or my practice, I'm quitting. They're like, ha ha. I'm like, I'm dead ass serious. So was able to set my boundaries. And again, in keeping with a lot of the yogic wisdom, like when you dig deeper into yourself and clear space, the universe is like, can you deal with this? You know what I mean? So like that was my yogic experience in the Bernie Sanders campaign. Just kept getting ridiculous stuff. Produced Bernie's concession um, at the 2016 Democratic Convention because I'm the only person that was bilingual, right? Like I spoke movement and I used to work for the DNC. You see all the synergy, right? So like um, I used to work at the convention and I'm the only person that they trusted. So was able to like forge this, which was probably like the most ridiculous yogic experience for me because I was like, how am I going to hold? Sp-? Here we go. You know what I mean? So and fast forward quickly, because I know we don't have much time, but Lauren, you asked for this story. Um, I was about to say, no, please take your time. Yeah, <laughs> so right keep going, Reggie. <laughs> when, um, when, when Madam Clinton didn't win slash the Orange Monster won, 
yeah. or President Trump, or whatever, both of them. <laughs> um, I was so rooted in yogic peace that I knew that my work was just beginning. Mm. And while most people were despondent, I went into a deep, like a meditative, like, because I knew that I had work to do. I did not know that I was going to work for move on and like take 500 hours of yoga teacher training and like be the, um, the guardian of the squad when they first got to town and like be teaching like Deb Holland and Rashida Tlaib yoga. I know all this stuff, but I knew that I had to like root deep into the practice. And so when I said yes to move on, um, I knew that I had to carve out space to take care of myself. And so that's how I did my 200 hour training. 200 hour training, we end up flipping the house um, and passing amendment four in Florida. And I'm in the middle of all this stuff. And I'm like, well, damn, you know, 200 hour work was 300 more. And so like what did 300 hour training as the my 300 hour training followed the arc of impeachment. You want to talk about astrology and numbers and all this other stuff. My training for 200 hours was 11, 11, 2018 is when I got my cert. Yeah. So I did that on purpose. Right. I was just like, whatever. Like, if, if we're going to do it, let's let's go. So my teaching anniversary is 11, 11. Um, I got my 300 hour certification on the winter solstice in 2019 two days after the impeachment vote. So you wanna talk about cosmic alignment and those sorts of things. Uh, so that is the abridged <laughs> version of my work history. Mm. I have a question, but I wanna let Lauren speak first if you have a question, Lauren. No, just that I hope you really do write those books. You mentioned a third book, so I'm like, just, yeah, let's let's like put this in a book form for sure because I would read the shit out of all of that. Yeah, um, and there's so many random. I mean, I don't want to make this about me, but there's yeah. so many random like connections that we have. Like, I went my first chief of staff on the Hill had worked for the Edwards campaign. Frankly, he was a total piece of shit. Um, <laughs> but, I, I, I but, know how that goes. Um, so I at some point off mic, I want to play the game of like, do you know so and so? I probably do, and they, yeah, I probably agree with you. Suck. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> most people feel like that's pretty liberal person. Um, my partner is—he has um, dual citizenship in Belgium. I want to ask you some time oh, about wow. living there because we've thought about wow. living there. Uh, there's just so, and like baby, the fact that you describe it as babysitting candidates, like that it was my life for so long. So I just Go. feel very seen right now. <laughs> <laughs> Because Jim's wife hated that. And I'm like, the only thing, the only difference is I don't change his diaper. I do everything else. Stop it. Exactly. And it's, I, I think what a lot of folks who maybe haven't worked in politics don't realize, number one, a lot of people in charge are not that smart. Like just not that experienced, not that adult, not that. And, and that's not to say anything about the folks you worked for specifically, but just right. when I, when I started to get proximity to people. They don't have their shit together. That's what staff is for. No. Not at all. It's like a lot of immaturity, a lot of fragile egos. And so that's why when I hear anyone hesitate to run, I'm like, no, oh my God, you don't understand. Like you are what we need. Um, right, 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 so, right. Anyway, I'm on my own thing right now, but that was, thank you so much for sharing all of that. And just, yeah. Well, if you didn't ask the question, I couldn't tell the story. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> 
Yeah. And, and, and it, it's it so like good to hear, Reggie, your trajectory. One of the themes that's come up on this podcast a lot since we're talking about like the, mainly the intersection of social justice and entrepreneurship mm-hmm. is like this, like, did you know you were going to be what you're going to be? Or like, did you know where you were going with your professional life? And like this whole narrative that like, for those of us who are who are hearing this narrative, because I know not Ooh. everybody is, um, no, sure, I, what sure. I heard was go to high school, graduate, go to college, get a degree, get a job, know where you're going, know what you're going to do. It's linear. It's clear. It's progress oriented. You know, it's a cog in the machine. And like, Mm -hmm. hopefully it lights you up and you're nourished and fed literally and spiritually (laughs) by it. But like, good luck with the spiritual part, because that doesn't really matter because of capitalism. And yeah, right. Right. What I hear you saying is this like nonlinear, like listening to the next thing that's going to come fasting for five days and knowing like whatever's on the other side of that i'm good that's what it's going to be and like trusting and 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 it was when it was politics i was super pissed but i'm like okay okay so here's my question um as somebody uh in a black body yeah working in this government like yeah. actively supporting people running for elections, et cetera, et cetera. Like, do how do you feel about abolition? How do you feel about the nature of the government, the systems that are in place? Like, how do you relate to the racism that's systemic and institutional while also mm-hmm. working in the system? Yeah. Well, welcome to my Libra side. Mm. Meaning I'm a bridge and i've been this way my whole life right so like i'm the black kid who grew up in the burbs who can talk to everybody you know like i'm the first gen kid so families from the deep south but i grew up here in like um maryland but dc and went to school in connecticut and new york or whatever so like i'm equal parts southern or i would say this in college like i'm champagne and moonshine like at the same time don't drink them together because you'll get sick. But like, you know, right? Like, but like both. And I, I don't, I don't, tr- I don't really. My question when people talk about abolition, I was like, and replace it with what? Yeah. Right. Like, it's awesome to tear something down, but chaos and anarchy don't really serve the needs of the people either, right? Um, necessarily. So what I've been blessed to do, and it was hard for me, honestly, Like, uh, but like what I've been blessed to do is be able to hold complicated space. And this is where the philosophy major um, was helpful for me because rather than see things as either or, like I'm wired to see things as both and, right? I'm wired that way. And so I know that, and, and I've been told this, like I knew it instinctively, but now I've been told this, like, and, and most people don't get the benefit of that reinforcement, but I've been told that to see me, like in these meetings, wrecking shop, like as one of the few black people um, is as inspirational you know, on both sides, right? So like to either look Madam Speaker or her people in the face and being like, we're not doing that. Right. I don't work for you. I work for these folks. I represent them. Right. So to do that um, while in the system was very powerful. Yeah. 
right? For many reasons. One, there are a lot of youngsters who saw me were just like, who is that brother? <laughs> right? Like, and I know that for a fact, like that's how I became close with Ayanna Presley, Rashida, Ilhan, and Alex is because I came in like decked out, bow tie, mala beads, just like, yo, what's good? They're like, who? Right? And then open my mouth and like just offer something. Like, because we don't have time for it, but this is a great story. Um, the short of it, I'll give you the short version. So 1111 is when I get my uh, teacher cert. Uh, 1112 was the new member orientation for the people that just won on the progressive side, right? So like I was fighting with my colleagues and it's funny, people are like, you shouldn't say that. As, you shouldn't treat people like shit. You treat people well, they'll tell good things about you. You treat them like shit, that's on you. So like my colleagues um, didn't really honor the fact that I had helped lay the predicate for move on success in Washington, D.C. And so they weren't going to let me be the director, but like they wanted me to do all the work. And like so my 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 colleague, Ben Wickler, had was leaving D.C. to move to Wisconsin. And one of their favorites um, was on paternity leave. And so they didn't have coverage for this meeting. And I'm like, give me in the meeting. They're like, yeah, you don't have the title. And I'm like, and whose fucking fault is that? Get me in the meeting. Uh, blah, 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 excuse, excuse, excuse. And so I basically was just like, so the former guy's leaving, your favorite's on paternity leave. like, I'm the only MF you got. Get me in the meeting or I quit. Oh, why do I have, why do we have to do? And it, Anyway, so they get me in the meeting and now I'm like, oh shit, I'm in the meeting. What do I, what do I say? Oh my God. <laughs> like, oh God. Like, oh, it worked. Oh shit. Right. And I'm supposed to represent move on and the movement, right? Because we, we just flipped the house. No one really expected that. You know what I mean? But we worked our ass off and flipped the house. And so here are all these like bold, fierce ass people like Deb Holland is in there. Joe Nagoose, like Ayana, Rashida, Ilhan, like Veronica Escobar, like all these people are in there and me. And so, um, Everyone goes to their introduction and then it comes to me. And so I give a short speech like, you know, thank you all for having the courage to run because you are the earnest, you are the earnest answer to our fervent supplication. For those of us who have been on the front line for two years toiling, hoping that this day would come, thank you for being the reinforcements for us. And so everyone's like, who is this dude? Right. And then I was like, and furthermore, I'd be remiss if I didn't mention that yesterday I had my 200-hour certification from yoga teacher training. So if I, I would be remiss if I didn't say that now that you're here and now that we're in community, if you don't take care of yourself, you are not only doing a disservice to the 750,000 people that you represent, you're doing a disservice to the millions of people that need you to do better for us all. Yeah. And I remember like Rashida took her glasses down. Like Ayana was just like, Right. And so that's on like the day after my cert. Right. And so like that's how I got in there. That's how I met them. That's how we're super tight um, was because I was able to like kick down the door of like progressive white supremacy. Let's just call it for what it is um, and get in there. And I knew that the fight that I had to put to get into that damn meeting, I knew that I needed to fortify myself with deeper yoga and spiritual wisdom, which is why I took the 200 and 300 hour path. So I say that to say me being in those rooms at that time, to answer your question, Tristan, was essential 
to laying the predicate to support because like the 116th Congress was my ministry. I didn't see it that way, but I see it now. Like, so like that all, all things that quote unquote lined up were because of that. And so like me being in the system at that time um, was able, I was able to hold such complicated space. Um, so from a spiritual perspective, I had to be there in the system in order for it to effectuate the results that it had. Your presence is in effect an interruption. Absolutely, absolutely. Yeah, and and beyond identity too, right? Like beyond identity, it's also like how you're processing what's happening. Like being someone who gives the message, like you all need to take care of yourselves and ask for help. Like that's just not something that, anyone is told in that environment. At a new member orientation, like some new dude, like, right. So I just came in and was just like, bam. I love that so much. (laughs) I wish more people would do it in those kinds of situations. Cause I mean, I can't think of how many times just speaking for myself, I've been like, well, I'm new in the room. So I need to just shut up and listen, Mm -hmm. which is true sometimes, especially as a white person, especially as a cis person. But then there are situations where I look back, I'm like, actually, I'm, I may have had something really supportive to say that I held back just because I was taught I should. So right. I hope anyone hearing this is reminded by you and like that story that your voice is really important. And what you yeah, have the to other thing I would say for BIPOC folks is that like, and then I say this, this, this very candidly, I was like, they used to hang people like me from trees. And the reason that they did so was so we wouldn't speak. So like hanging and lynching was violent in that it crushed your ability to speak. Mm-hmm. They could have shot you. They hung you. Yeah. So you couldn't speak. So in this iteration, in this form, and as someone who did one of the senior theses on anti-lynching, I'm going to speak. Yeah. And if you don't like it, I will give you my prayer beats. I've got hundreds of them, but like, I do not care. <laughs> That's a them problem, not a you problem. Absolutely. And Tristan, like you mentioned something like in the context of like like the aegis of, of y'all's broadcast, I'll mention in terms of my teaching practice, is that like <laughs> I didn't plan on teaching. Like the pandemic made me teach. I did all this training, and this is to all you yoga teachers out there. I'm doing this to deepen my practice. Be careful. <laughs> because whoever they are if you deepen your practice and you need to serve they have big feet and loud voices right so like when we uh when the pandemic hit um so so really quick story on that impeachment happens i get the cert uh 300 hour on the solstice and i was like i didn't even plan i planned 11 11 i did not plan to get my damn 300 hour on the solstice i was like this is like this is okay all right and having been in the whole impeachment sequence like solstice got it so i had every intention in march 2020 of being on shangri-la right so i'm like went to a couple hatha retreats or signed up for them and we all know what happened on march 13 2020 right like two weeks prior i'm in a retreat in the himalayan institute and um one of my teachers basically is just like you know I don't know why, but I feel the need to say this. Like some people need to stop training and teach more, Reggie. And I'm like, that's so fucked up. Like, like how are you gonna call me out? This is so stupid. But then I was like, okay, that's probably not right. So I, I swallowed that. And then someone I didn't know at the training was like, would you mind if I tell you something? I'm like, what? Because <laughs> I just gotten off the heels of impeachment. Like the Senate did its thing and I'm like, Arr. right. So I'm just kind of like, Arr. and they're like, yeah, so 
you're kind of um, wound tight. I was like, do you know what I do for a living? <laughs> like, I mean, I, I received that, sure, but like, you ain't got no idea. And I was like, look, I mean, to sound like a dick. Like, you know, sorry, you know, but they like, well, let me offer this. I was like, what's that? They're like, what if you viewed life as a dance as opposed to a fight? I'm like, hmm. Hmm. Okay. Hmm. All right. Sure. Um, and so I, that was already in my menagerie, right? And then the pandemic hits. I get 18 emails in one day. When are you teaching? I was like, yo, I, I don't teach. Like, whatever. Blah, blah, blah. Sound familiar? Then, y'all, the March for Our Lives kids were like, will you teach us? And I teach, I taught kids, right? So I'm just like, oh, no, that's so not fair. <laughs> it's I lie to everyone. I can't lie to no kids. It's so messed up. So I teach these kids on Zoom. They're thankful and tears and all this other stuff. And I'm like, okay. So launch my teaching practice on April 2nd, 2020, which is the day after my reborn day. And here we are, right? I've taught like 2,000 classes since, like keynoted this, done that, because it's Dharma, right? So like I need to, I needed to be in service to the times. And uh, one other thing I'll say before um, we talk about something else is that um, I started teaching. I didn't really know what I was doing. Uh, so I did some print stuff, like, um, and I did this other thing. Then George Floyd gets murdered. And there's no one who looks like me that has a political bent. And so that was like the nitrous that basically got me going because people were like, what's your opinion? I was just like, like my, 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 my radar went off. I was like, oh, wow. So like, this is like the wrinkle, like this is the glitch in the matrix. Like, okay. So like, this is the chance that I have this to be out there. And so that's why I was everywhere. Cause I was like, eventually white people are going to go back to sleep. And so while y'all are awake, I'm going to be ubiquitous. So here we go. Amazing. I want to like write that everywhere. Eventually white people are going to go back to sleep. So while you're awake. Yeah. 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 <laughs> Shit. Shit. Um, we only have the calendar blocked off for another five minutes, which I'm sensitive mm. to. I'm sensitive to your time, Reggie. Um, yeah, and- we can go for a, we can go for a while. Like, I, I, I have up to the top of the hour. Okay. Um, I want to, I want to, I want to ask one more question then. Um, yeah. and then I want to just like open it up for you to say anything else you want to say or share, or like, if there's something you want to plug that's coming up for you and your work, you know, whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. so I want to go back to, before we hit record, we kind of just checked in with one another and, and you, you know, you said, how's it going? And I was like, I'm, I'm hanging in there. And your mm-hmm. response was, um, you don't do bad days. Nah. And I want to hear you say more about that because there is a part of me that hears that and feels like, is this bypassing? But that's mm. not where you're going. And I know it because I know, I get a sense that I know you enough to know that that's not where it's coming from in you. <laughs> right. So tell right. us about not doing bad days, particularly since you shared about so many like ups and downs and then downs and then like dark nights of the soul and then bourbon and cigarettes for breakfast and sleeping. For, like, tell us about not doing bad days. Yeah. Well, one, uh, thank you for the question and thank you for the chance. Just, I mean, 
I don't, I'm, I'm about to go into hibernation in February in the mountains of Colorado to write, right? So like, this is a delicious experience for me to just put this out there. Like the, these are the stories that have been compressed. So now they're just like, wow, right? So thank you for that to get like the, the wheels turning. So grateful to be in community with y'all. Um, listen, especially now, um, it's bad news is ubiquitous. And there is a tendency to only focus on the bad. That could be construed as good vibes only. That could be construed as toxic positivity for sure. Um, but where I'm coming from with this is that in the, I'm blessed to know the context of my history. Like I'm blessed to know the context that it used to be illegal for black folks to vote. And I told y'all stories about me being on Air Force Two or like running a, a, like logistics for a presidential campaign, right? So it's as if my ancestors were just like, what? you know what I mean? So like they, I'm able to do what they could not do. Like some of my, some of my kin could not read by law, by statute. I went to Yale mm. and graduated, right? So even in the darkest day that I feel, I've got freedom that people who look like me never had. So while I may be upset at times, for me to let that upsetness rule my life in the context of the history that my people have been through um, is, is, is disingenuous, first of all, but it's also just, um, you know, the like Buddhist practice, like where's your gratitude, yo? You know what I mean? Like, so like for me, I am healthy. I am able-bodied. Uh, I have disposable income. Like I have the chance to be of service. Like I have made a career. My teaching practice grew in a pandemic, mm. right? There, <laughs> what, right? Like there are people who have been tilling the soil for years. My black ass gets in front of a thing, like, and just starts talking, and then like two years later, will you do this? With like, like what, right? So like for me to dismiss the good fortune that I have been given by oh blah 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 like yeah i had bad traffic like that that just doesn't seem to be in keeping with the gifts that i've been given right so while, while things that while things may make me sad or may make me upset um to not give gratitude anyway is a disservice to all that i've been given number one and number two is that i come from a tradition you know and this is what we talked about before we hit play is that like it's been hard for black folks, indigenous folks, like for hundreds of years or thousands, depending, you know what I mean? And so in the, in, in the, in the African-American tradition, um, we always sing. Like, even when things are darkest, there's a way to find song. And so for me, what that does is it gives permission to feel the blues but also express them in a way that offers or often even augurs hope, right? So, you know, there, there's a, a phrase that I heard a lot as a kid, like trouble don't last always. Like if you get stuck in bad news as, as a repeat, 
you think that that's your reality, but, you know, bringing in the practice, the teaching of impermanence, like good times don't last forever, bad times don't last forever. So when I say I don't do bad days, it's that like, yes, this may be a circumstance that it's not to my liking, um, but this will pass. And if it is to my liking, I need to celebrate this piece because I have been homeless in a foreign country with no money. You know what I mean? So like that it's more like, celebrating the totality of my life and the gifts that I've been given as opposed to being solely fixated on a moment of time. That resonates. Yeah. Yeah. It's like zooming out. Yeah. Like looking right. at the whole, even just in the present moment beyond just history, it's like, there's so much more happening. That we're and not we, we do this thing. I don't want to, we, I do this thing. <laughs> Uh, where um, I can't feel the good. Like I Uh, I somehow I don't have access to really soaking up the good shit, but it's way easy for me to, to drown myself in the hard shit. And I even think lately, like, I mean, to your point, Reggie, like my work, I stepped into teaching in COVID too. Mm-hmm. And I feel like my whole life has changed and my work in the world has, has looks radically different than it did before COVID that as, as much as COVID fucking blows in so many different ways for so many different people, it has been a gift for me in some Absolutely. ways because I have found this incredible thing that I get to do now. And, right. and your voice. I and I don't even know how to feel it sometimes. Like mm. I literally like even just sitting here looking at both of your faces on Zoom, this is a celebratory moment. Like like I should log off this screen and like do a dance party. And I mean, I'm going to because now I'm saying it. So like I got to do it. Um, but like how long do we pause to do the dance party and like really feel it move through our bodies? I'm right. too busy being like, oh, right, no. wah, wah, right. Which, by the way, yeah, isn't a personal failing, right? No, like, no, no. I'm not trained. saying, yeah, okay. Right. Like, we are so conditioned, and like we've evolved to focus on tougher stuff. It's the negativity yep. bias thing, right? Yeah. Um, but that's why, Reggie, I appreciate everything you just said because, like, we—that's why we need to actively remind ourselves. Yeah. Right. Everything that you just said. It's like the active peace thing. Yeah. Right. Mm. Right. Active peace. And if there were to be in a, uh, a rejoinder after that, it would be like defiant joy. Mm. Mm. That's right. the title of the episode. I think there you go. You got it. <laughs> Lauren, Lauren got it. We've got all the quotes we need. <laughs> and now we got the title. And you know, I nice. don't always take notes, but there's so much you're saying that I'm like, even if I read the transcript later, I still want it like in front of me. So I'm just like filling up my notebook with, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, thank you, Reggie. Really? I mean, it's it's an honor. Like, listen, I am, I am now stepping into so the fullness of what I'm called to be. Right? What do I mean by that? I mean that I'm a teacher. Right? I'm a wisdom steward. Uh, I am an inspirational figure. I am a transformational figure. Um, But all that began with the work that I did for myself. You know what I mean? Absent that internal work, there is no, and I, I said this too. So I finished my first teacher training yesterday, which is nuts. Um, but um, I told them, I was like, look, you can't give what you don't have. So the reason that I talk about like internal practices is that like, I'm so full of gratitude, even in a shit circumstance, like, look, 
this I used to travel all the time. Like like I'm not fond of like being stuck in one place. Like I, I I've gotten used to it. And I also understand that for me, like it was like them being like, yo, be still. Mm-hmm. And in that stillness, it is like giving birth to like a persona. And, and not only that, but like I've been able to serve tens of thousands of people at a moment in time where that service was required. And so to be a geek and quote the Bhagavad Gita, like um, I found my work and it is incumbent upon me to do my work um, in service to all of us. And so if I don't do that, um, when this spirit leaves this rental car, I'm not going to go to the waiting room of souls and have whoever's up there be like, yeah, so um, you were supposed to teach, man. Like, <laughs> like, like, why didn't you, like, we sent you all these hints, yo, like, and you didn't teach, right? So I'm not trying to have that conversation, you know what I mean? Like, um, another story I'll share quickly is that I had a very uh, profound loss in my family recently. I lost the the equivalent of my brother, and uh, rest in peace, Corey. Like, so I um, had, was wrecked. And like wrecked in a way that um, I haven't been wrecked in quite some time. Like I, I've I've gone through loss before, but like not like my soul, brother. Right? Like not like a like like I haven't had that happen. And so he we we laid his remains to rest the weekend of like Thanksgiving, not Thanksgiving of of Halloween and All Saints Day and all the other things. So I'm like like in meditation practice. I was like, I got to teach on Dia de los Muertos, man. I got to. I have to teach about grief and loss on Dia de los Muertos. I have to. And <laughs> no shade on everyone in the yoga industry, but where are y'all at, right? Like, how are you not going to talk about grief and loss? Why has everything got to be so motherfucking happy? Like, stop it. Like, um, but I taught on Dia de los Muertos. Y'all, 60 people came to a virtual song to talk about grief and loss. And the emails I got from that blew my mind, right? Like this one person was like, yeah, so my mom died of a drug overdose and I've hated her since then. But like this song gave me compassion to feel her pain. I'm like, what? What? So now I can begin to grieve her and heal. And she just died of a broken heart. So can you imagine if I didn't teach offer that and then I die and then go wherever we go and someone's like yo you were supposed to like so this person carried that burden their whole life and it was your job to liberate that Mm. I'm not having that conversation so if one person comes to my class cool if thousands come cool like my tradition and lineage we teach to the one because that's the person that's meant to be before you so trust and believe that I'm, I'm violently against like, I'm like peacefully violent against, um, I need big classes. You need one person mm-hmm. and you need to minister to that one person. Like this is what I said in a recent yoga teacher training. Like, Do you understand how much of a privilege it is to carry ancient wisdom forward? Do you understand that? Like, um, like the reason that these traditions exist is because they were shared. Not because they were kept. So get to sharing. Oh my God. And what a responsibility to, like you use the word wisdom steward. Like it really is. You're stewarding it. 
it has to have a lot of care and you're clearly one of those teachers because not every teacher has that um, perspective on it. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. So God, I mean, and, and plus the capitalist lucky. yoga, Western industrial complex right. washes reverence out of the whole thing. Um, yep. Yeah. Yep. Okay. We can keep going, but we'll pause mm. there. Reggie, is there anything else you want to say? Any part of their, your work that you want to highlight? This episode will come out in two weeks, just so you have a sense of timeline. If there's anything you want to plug mm. that's coming up or whatever. Mm. Well, be, so activepeaceyoga.com is where you find me. Um, oh, Reggie Global on Instagram. Activepeaceyoga is the, the practice page. Just stay tuned, right? Like there, um, I'm in the process of, of considering what deeper studies practices look like. Um, my teacher training practice was so profound that people were like, so when's the deeper studies? I was like, ah, like, so, um, I mean, like when I go into hibernation, um, it will be to write a practicum, write a rough manuscript and come up with ideas of what springtime looks like. So like be on the lookout for stuff in spring, winter, um, I'm probably going to take off because like I said, I will have taught this year about 904 things. Um, and last year was 555, you know what I mean? So like, it's a lot, but that's what I'm here for, right? You know what I mean? Like I, it is time to serve the times with grace and, and boldness. And I guess I'll conclude by saying, um, listen, we all have a gift to give. And the biggest gift is to give yourself space to process and heal, mm. right? Give yourself space to first of all, be okay with not being okay if that's what you're going through, but give yourself the space to be grateful for something. Because like absent that gratitude, you know, and this is what I'm gonna teach on Friday for these activist folks. I was like, if you aren't happy, why do I wanna like join your movement? Right, not like on some toxic positivity. Not, that's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about like, for instance, in the election, we won. Why can't we celebrate that? Like we won, we got a trifecta. Like that happens like once every 45 years or so. Like, you know what I mean? Like, 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 like hooray. Like, because if we are like, oh my God, like, like no one, like people won't be ready. People won't be motivated to vote and the changes that we hope for will never take place. Um, and lastly, like these times that we live in could be considered awful, but y'all, the birthing process is messy. So why can't we view this as an opportunity to give birth to a new consciousness um, in our community and with ourselves and embrace the mess as a sign of a birthing process as opposed to, I wish it were sanitized and clean? Yeah, thank you. I think all of us need that reminder. So yeah. just thank you, thank you. Yeah, thanks Reggie. Thanks being in the mess with us yeah wouldn't have it any other way thanks for listening to this episode of all the fuck in if you like what we're doing we'd love if you'd subscribe to us on apple or spotify and leave us a five-star rating and review this helps other folks find us you can learn more at alltfinpodcast.com that's a-l-l-t-f in podcast.com and on Instagram at all TFIN podcast or at Tristan Katz Creative or and at Lauren K. Roberts. Death, 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 death.
death is a penalty. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Red one, son of us, son of us, son of us.